You're, you're holding that for the right lyrics. I'm guessing that's what it's all about. Hey, oh yeah, I got to do this intro, man. I'll figure out. It's been hectic, bro. There's just so much madness going on in this Could world that, right man. about now. Hey, let's do it. Yeah, I come through on the mic just like a druid. All kinds of magic, and you know it's havoc. Me and Mike get down, yeah, and we wrap it up. That's right, the MMA business. Yeah, you know what is this? It is this. <laughs> yo, I give them inches, not a yard. Uh, yo, I come and drop it hard. Hey, I didn't know you could be boxed out. Dre should have got you on the detox, man. <laughs> what the, the hell? Right I'm there, but getting into his own, and I was like, hold on a minute. This guy's really beatboxing. This is. Well, you got rhythm there, bro. <laughs> sneaky, very sneaky. What's up, everybody? I'm UFC President Dana White. Hey, what's up? It's boy Sugar Shot Evan. I am Fielder. This is Jimmy Manuel. Yo, baby, this is Bert Watson. That means it's time to roll, baby. We rolling! Yeah! All night long. Oh, shit! 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 Hi, I'm Michael Morgan, and welcome to this week's episode of The Wocast. Now, you would have noticed that we took a few weeks off, and that's just because of the busy schedule of my co-host, oh, the man, the myth, the legend, the voice of smooth velvet chocolate, my Stiggy. Hey, sorry, man. I like the way you put that onto me. Yeah, it's my fault, ladies and gentlemen. You can blame me. Blame the voice of chocolate velvet cake. You know, some of us have got things to do and places to be at, and oh, I don't even know why I said that. It just sounds cool when you do say that, isn't it? Yeah, man. Sorry, man. I, I've been, uh, yeah, I've been on a little bit of traveling here and there, um, gigging around the world, man. And it's been, a, it's been a lot of fun. I, met, I was lucky enough to go to a place called um, Reunion Island, What's that? which is um, just east of uh, Madagascar. Wow. I like to move it, move it. I like when I mention Madagascar, everyone thinks of the the. Leaders. Yeah, it's just that I, I, <laughs> for some reason I, I had you local. I had you kind of like Europe. Yeah, I was like... in. I did a couple bits in France. Right, then, um, right. Uh, I went to um, Camborne as well, down Cornwall side. You know what mm. I mean? That's staying UK and that. Uh, did a gig in Bristol as well over the last basically month or whatever. And then yeah, then just last week, uh, last weekend, I managed. Well, the week before, weekend before last, just gone obviously because today. Yeah. Um, yeah. I went to yeah, I went to this mad place with Reunion Island. Did a, a festival called Saki Fo. Oh, okay. And uh, drank a lot of rum. Oh, that's all I can remember. Really nice. <laughs> Got to see Damian Marley live. Oh, that was pretty crazy. Was he the headline? Yeah, he oh, was. Okay. The, yeah, he was the headline act on the Saturday night, mm. and um, yeah, it was pretty crazy. Really good set, man. Um, so yeah, just you're recovering from the, that, man. You're up there with the big boys. Ah, uh, trying, man. You know, not yet. You know, wow, I'm still, wow. I'm still underground hip hop. I'm still raw. No, you raw. say underground hip hop, but man, <laughs> seriously, your name rings bell. Speaking of your name, I have to say, you know. Um, I've got a special request. Now, oh, I have to say, I have now. to say, I was speaking to my missus before I came down here and I said, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to meet up with my Stiggy. And uh, she said, my, I said, yeah, my Stiggy. I said, said Stiggy the Dump. No, I said, my, oh, my Diggy, Diggy, yeah. Diggy. Yeah. She said, is that his name? I said, that's the name of an artist that, you know, rings bells. Yeah. And she said, Maestro. I said, no, 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 no. Ah. Mice. Diggy is what he's rolling with now. Yeah. She said, well, Maestro sounds much better. I mean, her marketing mm. background, I have to say, came kicked in fully yeah, for the last 15 minutes of her conversation, telling me how <laughs> Maestro works. Maestro rings bells. Yeah. Maestro has resonance. And uh, she thinks that you should 
go with Maestro. Yeah, I understand people saying that, but the thing is, is like I've been through enough years of, um, especially like being online, you know, with the online presence of it getting mixed up with too many different people. And so I feel like because I've had my Stiggy as a pseudonym for a while anyway, the people who know my stuff will know it. And then going forward, yeah, it is a bit awkward to pronounce at first, but once you get it, you Mm. get it. You know what I mean? You'll never... And it won't be mixed up with anybody Mm-mm-mm. else. So that's the the way I look at it. And it's much more individual than Maestro. You know, you've got all these Maestro, DJ, DJ Maestro, Pianist Maestro, Grand oh, MC Maestro. Right. You know, they spell it the same way as well. The reason oh. I spelled it with a Y, M-Y-S-T-R, was because just think, you know, I felt, I did feel like, yeah, it's quite an obvious name in a way. Yeah, yeah, But yeah. it was a friend, when I was really young, a guy called me that, like 13, 14, because I was always just messing around freestyling. He's like, man, you should be, you should be called Maestro, man, because you know we're kids. But then when it was time for me to do this, I thought, ah, oh, you know, I'd go with Maestro, and then, but then the my, AKA my Stiggy always came in, you know, mm-hmm. as a kind of joke thing or whatever. But then it got to a point where I felt like, you know what, I need to um, really separate myself from all this mix and muddle up. Yeah, when yeah, I'm getting yeah. messages, even all now, even on my My Stiggy fan page. They were like, oh, I love this beat you made on this thing, you know? <laughs> yeah, like, there's a Nigerian uh, Afrobeats producer called Maestro. Right. Yeah, so people, I was getting loads of people like, oh, I'm loving this beat. You know this beat? Yeah, and I was like, what? That ain't even me. <laughs> and that's when I, so I wanted to do it in 2013 or something like that. But uh, my distributor was like, nah, iTunes know you as Maestro. Mm. So if you put this out on Maestro Diggy, it might not get... And lo and behold, it worked out because I was on the front page for quite a while. Nice. But yeah, now I'm like, okay, Mice. everything's coming... <laughs> everything's coming out as Maestro Diggy. So people have to get used to it. I understand. But, you know, looking into the future and like, uh, I've got a whole lot more that I want to drop, a lot more music that I'm yeah. producing. You know, I played you a few bits and bobs on the... Mad. On the late... Like, you're one of the few people that's even heard mm-hmm. a lot of mm-hmm. the new stuff. So Very impressive, my man. Thank you very much, man. And so, you know, with all that, I know the stamp is going to be made. In between the time of when I wanted to do it and and now up to, you know, 2017, the beginning of 2017 was basically the chapter of like, yeah, now it's strictly my Stiggy. I always uploaded stuff that said Maestro, a.k.a. my Stiggy. So, you know, when in terms of the metadata online, all that, blah, 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 when you type in either name, it all the stuff in. will come up. Yeah. So, you know, I've thought about it over quite some time. It's not just a last minute thing. Like, oh, yeah, I did the same speech. Hey, t- tell him. You know, it wasn't yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. It was more like, oh, wow, this happened at the same time. Like, beautiful. You know, like we even with the wrap ups. Yeah. The MMA wrap up like mm-hmm. last year or whatever. So, yeah. Anyway, that's <laughs> it. It's all on record now. Courtesy well, of the world cast. I- I'm-, I'm sure she'd be placated because I think that's uh, a very, very sensible approach now you know like you say look you you haven't been the only one who's been jet setting okay man you've been been on plane man getting around the place isn't it yeah i i um stepped out of uh, the uk flew over to poland for a few days for ksw 39 what an event now i have to say what a spectacle what a spectacle which you have to behold basically in person they're going to come a time in a few years where people are going to say where were you when ksw 39 actually kicked off mm. and i have to say it's going to be so such a proud moment to say yeah i was there i was actually cage side 
59,000 or was it 58,000 people at last count actually turned up to this stadium and I have to say it was a spectacle to behold. I have to say, you know, hats off to the promotion themselves. Not only did they manage to keep the card together, because essentially we're talking about names like Marius Pujanowski, we're talking about uh, Mamed Kaladov, we're talking about Popek, Monster. These are like big, they massive names um, in Polish MMA. Mm. Not only did they manage to keep the card together, but they managed to keep a sense of, how can I put it, given the scale, given how large this was, they managed to keep their feet firmly on the ground. Yeah. So many promotions, I have to say, I'm not going to name them, but so many promotions that you deal with where actually getting in touch or getting a response from the PR is really, really difficult. Nobody's picking up phones, no one's returning emails. Speaking to um, the promoter, speaking to the CEO is just a thing of ease. Mm. He's very approachable, very accessible. And these are things which I think that, you know, other promotions can actually see and learn. I think the UFC do this really, really well. Mm. But um, for other promotions, possibly, you know, based in the uh, rest of Europe and indeed the UK, they could take a leaf out of their, their book. They really kept it on the reel. Mm. And considering how large the scale of the event, how many people they dealt with, 200 journalists actually uh, or 200 media outlets actually turned up to the event they kept wow. it moving in terms of it was very easy um, to actually speak to the CEO it was very easy to um, speak to the PR now these are things which you know you'd think would be um, part and parcel mm -hmm. of promoting an event but you know not so many promotions out there get this right I have to say KSW got it spot on and I have to say given that there was um, this massive scale the whole thing went off flawless. Yeah. The whole thing, I think, in terms of production values, in terms of the way it looked, in terms of the way it came across, um, both at the event, and you know, I had the privilege of seeing it both from the backstage and from the uh, cage side angle as well. Mm absolutely flawless i mean speaking of cage side and speaking of backstage access do have a look at um my short film which is ksw submersed behind the scenes which is still available on youtube which is youtube.com forward slash wo tv do have a look at that little six minute movie there doing quite ni nice numbers i think to date it's been up what a week uh 27 000 people have actually viewed it nice. so it's doing okay it's doing quite <laughs> nice humble brag there. Yeah. <laughs> take that trumpet there and put it down for you right. <laughs> nice man that's really nice i mean what, what i noticed like i haven't seen the whole event yet but I, i've seen um bits and bobs of it yeah but you know from the the walk-ins like the music that was chosen the walk-in you know it's like a lengthy walk-in you know yeah. really intense and then also the the, the uh, announcer guy mm. he was really like he was speaking in english right yeah so he didn't announce anything in polish it was all in english or what uh from memory um, I do recall him speaking both in Polish and uh. in English, um, particularly for the Wayans. Uh, he made sure that he catered for both the English and yeah, the, okay. the Polish audience. Very, very accessible. Plus, on the night, they had um, an English broadcast team and obviously a Polish broadcast team as well. So they catered for, for all comers there as well. But one of the striking things, I have to say, was the whole approach that made it look like something out of pride, something out of yeah, Japanese yeah, 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 yeah. mixed martial arts. The way that they, the whole thing is entertainment driven. The whole thing is, is sort of like, 
a spectacle from start to finish. Whether you're a prelim fighter or whether you are a co-main event or even main event, you're treated the same. They bring you out on the plinth. They bring you out on the platform. They introduce you to the audience and they make you a rock star. And these people, you know, they are actually flocking round people like Marysz Pudzianowski, who is a legend mm. in um, uh, Poland. And I have to say, it was amazing just to just be in the same vicinity as him and just watch the love, the awe, the spectacle that kind of surrounded him. People were just basically chanting his name from start to finish wherever he appeared. Seriously? It was absolutely amazing. And then, so, you know, going back to the announcer guy, like I felt like he was intense, you know, like mm. he was really like drawing on this next yeah. guy he's and so what was it like being there because you know i'm just watching the broadcast thinking like wow this looks crazy but you're there you know people screaming like they it seemed like or <laughs> goose pimples goose yeah. pimples okay. basically you're right he actually whipped the crowd up into a frenzy i do uh, believe he is a very very famous uh, performer himself in okay. his own right he's an artist in his own right in poland um, my man, um, Alan Murphy, is the, the guy to head to on Twitter just to get the lowdown mm. on uh, this character. But he was almost like a maestro bringing it back to uh, yourself uh, in that I he was he was doing. almost like um, commanding the crowd just by whipping them up into a frenzy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I think that like came that. across on the broadcast as well yeah, from what you've just man. said there. Yeah, definitely. I was enjoying that. Mm. I was just like, man, this guy, this feels like, and like you're saying, it had that kind of pride feel that, almost primal feel you know like this felt like gladiators are really about to clash now yeah 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 Yeah. so it must have been intense man well let's just say the whole thing was themed around coliseum so they were bringing it back to the gladiator or gladiatorial um arena type thing and it being in a stadium it gave it that gravitas and i'm not sure if you saw any of the posters or any of the um any of the pre-publicity but it was very much um to do with like a gladiatorial spirit so okay. that whole so it came across then for sure definitely definitely yeah. that that whole spectacle that whole um spirit of it being something massive mm. mate it came across in person and it certainly came across because i watched back certain bits of it as i mentioned um on screen as well it definitely came across that it was a spectacular and quite a massive event but it wasn't without its flaws i must say i was a little bit baffled that um in the main event mamed kalidov um actually faced off against uh boris uh mankowski mm. now uh, these are formidable giants in their own division. Um, they put their belts up. Basically, um, they faced off uh, champion versus champion. Now, I have to say, um, Mamed Kaladov, he was fantastic. Flying knees, precision punches. He clearly won that fight. But the crowd wasn't really too appreciative of that. all of that. And I was kind of like racking my brain just to why that might be. And then, you know, someone actually said it as I was, you know, making inquiries. Well, I thought he was like seen as a god here. He was worshipped as, you know, he's coming into the cage, but not so much when he was coming out. And, you know, a few people, I don't know how true this was, but a few people were actually pointed to the fact that, you know, he's a Muslim. So it didn't really go down too well that he'd actually beaten, um, you know, one of uh, their how can I put it? Their brethren, as it were, um, oh, him being right. a pole. Now, I don't know how true that was. A few people oh, were actually yeah. saying that, you know, because I was making quiz. I was like, I couldn't understand it. A lot of the people, as I mentioned, they were cheering him as they were, the, the whole place erupted when he when he came through. And then not so much when he won. But Did he make of, any gestures of 
regarding being Muslim then? Was it was there anything like that? Like it, it, it's, no, it's, it's very clear. I mean, um, given his background, given what people know about him, he, he is, like I say, a superstar. Mm. And um, I think people are very, very clear as to what his background is. But um, that kind of, for me, put a damper on the, on, on, on the end of the event. Not the event itself, because, you know, I guess, with, yeah. with every event you get yeah. ups and downs. But it was kind of like, oh, come on, this is where we can actually forget what's actually going on outside. And why are we actually judging him by his religion? Let's just judge him by, you know, as Luther, or Martin Luther King would say, the content of his character and, you know, the, the, the skill of his um, actual um, mixed martial art prowess. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's pretty sad to hear about. I mean, but on the whole, the event was actually... Spectacular. Yeah. I can't wait for them to actually... For me, um, KSW... I've said this quite a lot um, before 39. It represents the epitome of European mixed martial arts. Not only do they put on spectacular events, but they know how to promote it. They know a thing or two about PR. They know that you need a charismatic CEO or promoter to actually draw people in, to interest them in the sport, to actually um, set the thing alight in people's minds and gain their enthusiasm. They, they get all of that. So as a complete package, KSW for me is the leading light, is the leader um, as far as European mixed martial arts promotions go. Now, I think what will actually cement their place or will actually give them that undoubtable, um, uh, or it, it would be beyond doubt their status, is if they start to move about a little bit more. They do use Poland as their base, mm. but I'd like to see them more in places like the UK. Yes, they came, I think it was a couple of years back, mm. and they smashed it at Wembley um, Arena. Oh, yeah, they yeah, yeah. sold out Wembley Arena. It was packed um, from um, Cateside to Rafters, but I want to see them move into areas like Ireland. I'd like to see them move into areas like Sweden. I'd like to see them move around... Um, Europe as a whole. Now, the way that I look at it is this. They made a very, very good start of things, but it can only go up from here, from what um, Martin Lewandowski, the CEO, was saying. They've got big plans. All big, right. big plans. Okay. Did you get some inside info then you can spill um, on the masses? Or? Well, all I have to say, it's already out there because um, before I went out there, I interviewed Martin and basically he's, he was saying he's got his eyes on the UK and on Ireland, and um, oh, right. you would have probably noticed in the lineup he had um, Norman Park, who yeah. was actually um, uh, representing uh, Northern, Northern Ireland, Ireland there. Yeah. And um, I think they may be using the relationship with Norman Park to actually um, make some forays into or make some um, trips into um, Northern Ireland, if not um, Dublin. Mm. And the way that I look at it is this um, I think there's so much rich talent in Ireland, that will be the first place that they should head. They sh they've done the UK thing. They've done, um, you know, the London thing. Go to Ireland, smash it there. Mm. And you know, what's interesting about that is, as well as that, is the fact that MMA as a sport is really growing mm. in Europe, so mm. much so that of late, I don't know if you've, you've heard about it, but I think, is it Dave? Our um, broadcasting Bama? I yeah, think. that's right. Yeah. And then you've got, uh, who else is it? There's someone else broadcasting um, MMA as well. And I think um, Cage Warriors was on B 
the uh, they've got a deal with BT Sport. Yeah, with BT and, Sport. Uh, yeah, bypass. Yeah. Well, see, I didn't know about all of this until oh, really? recent. Yeah, and so it's interesting seeing how much, seeing how much more, um, you know, the 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 sport is getting out there. So so promotions like um, KSW who are already doing really well anyway. Yeah. Now for them to get on. Um, European or UK TV, for mm. instance, I, I don't see being a massive problem, you know, with well, the sport Well, growing. historically, for those who are based, uh, or those promotions based in the UK, that has been like a massive problem. But yeah, yeah. like you say, look, two people who, or two promotions who are blazing a trail in the UK, um, to be fair, um, are Cage Warriors and Bammer, and they seem to, you know, have actually managed to connect with you know the likes of BT Sport, they've managed to connect with the likes of Dave. So, um, I I I see that only opening up doors for those who are coming in with a decent product, which looks yeah. spectacular, yeah. which looks the production values are no longer dimly lit uh, cages on um, uh, plastic uh, looking um, uh, <laughs> canvases, but you know a polished product i think yeah i think a polished product is what tv broadcasters are after and ksw certainly fits that mold Mm. yeah definitely so what was your fight of the night then for me um because i was rushing backwards and forwards um you know doing the whole backstage behind the scenes thing what i saw which really really impressed me and it shut my mouth was norman park versus Mateus gamrot really took it for me for two reasons one norman and i have this running um how can i put it disagreement in that uh (laughs) i will inevitably pick against norman because i think um norman to me up until uh mateus gamrot um has proven himself to be a grinder he's not Mm. someone who goes in there uh, to my mind, well, he's even admitted it. He's exactly, even admitted that exactly. I'm, like a, I'm, I'm a grinder. I go all the rounds. He's not looking for the finish, but this was the first time in a long while that I've seen him fired up, and it was fired up from an interaction or from uh, a bit of controversy that actually happened in the cage. <laughs> I was cage side for this, <laughs> so I could see right exactly now. what happened. Yeah. He um, was basically in top control. And he was trying to disrupt the breathing, uh, which is perfectly legal, of Mateus Gamera. And I don't know whether it was accidental, I don't know whether it was on purpose, but it happened anyway. His finger actually slipped inside Mateus Gamrot's mouth. Now, oh. Mateus Gamrot bit down, and I, 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 oh. I, I, I defy anybody to tell me I did not see that. I was cage side for it. I, I saw him actually do it. Had it confirmed by my, my good buddy, um, Alan Murphy. He actually bit down hard. Wow. And it was a little bit like, uh, Charlie bit my finger. Because he literally bit the guy's finger. And um, Norman Park pushed him off to say, look, dirty bastard. He, 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 he bit my finger. Bit my finger. He, that's right. And so he pushed him. And then it, all hell broke loose. Martin uh, Lewandowski, he jumped in the cage, tried to calm everything oh, down, which I've never he seen a promoter ever do before. And everything like calmed down. But from that moment onward, I've never seen Norman Park so fired up to finish a guy in the time that I've been watching him. And that was a spirited performance. He went in there with a mentality, right, I'm going to show you, I'm going to finish you. There's no more grinding out decision in this one. Mm. And that for me was my fight of the night. I really did enjoy the backwards and forwards because it, it was, I think, 
Um, a very spirited performance from um, Norman. Wow, and a little bit of drama in between. Yeah, you know I like the drama. <laughs> I always like making trouble. You know how I roll. Wow, well, that's good to hear though. Anyway, man, big up to Norman Park, uh, getting a win there. And um, oh, we didn't, we didn't win. Oh, he didn't uh, win. Unfortunately. Oh, I thought you were saying. No, 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 no. <laughs> it was a spirited performance, but it ended in uh, the champ uh, Gamrot retaining his title. Oh, but, okay. The- but. But you know why I love this so much yeah. is that it sets up a possible rematch. rematch okay. let's, let's just imagine that being in Belfast. Can you imagine? Ooh. That would be absolutely yeah, okay. spectacular. Wow. All right. Well, hopefully, man. Definitely looking forward to seeing some more from KSW. Oh, it for sounds sure. like they're doing a lot, man. For sure. On to this week's show, though. Yes. Let's just uh, have a quick canter through um, some of the notable okay. pieces of... Um, news which are out there before our uh, our guests arrived. Uh, we're ensconced uh, today in um, London, uh, sorry, Lions Den Gym, which is home to Emra Sonmez, who is now the BC MMA um, uh, forward slash Cage Warriors East um, lightweight champion. Mm, yes. Now. He's going to be sharing a little bit of exclusive news with us. But before we get there, um, before Emra actually uh, makes a guest appearance in his own gym, um, <laughs> let's just run through some of the noticeable or notable, notable um, items of news. Um, all right. Before we get to, you know, because there's obviously the surprise. It's funny that it's the elephant in the room, man, the smallest guy. <laughs> but, um, yeah, let's give a shout out to Max Holloway, man, for... Uh, Getting that belt, first of all. Mm. Jesus. Spirited beat. What a fight, man. Mm. Mm. Uh, It was pretty amazing to see how he, um, he, you know, I felt like all of a sudden he just turned it on. You know, like now it feels like he's got a style. Like you can can do, you know, that thing where he just points down to the ground, like Mm. nodding his head like, yeah, come on. Almost Diaz-like. Yeah, almost Diaz. But it's his own thing. It's his own thing. Diaz does the slap and... Does the you know the hands in the air, but uh, Holloway like pointing to the ground like yeah okay you know you hit me like let's do this now yeah yeah, yeah that's turning into like his signature kind of thing so mm. it's really cool to see this kid the you know grow into what he's becoming and then man what he did to Aldo whew, I don't know man uh, you know someone was pointing out the fact that um he's um you know he's managed to beat a few different people you know, in alternate stances, like not stick, sticking to um, just Southpaw when he's facing everyone or just yeah. Orthodox when he's facing. And, and like to think about all of that stuff as well and the fact that he's only 25, mm. he's still got like a humongous amount of years to go. Big time. But for what he's done, you know, 11 fight win streak uh, and come from all the way from the bottom. Like, I think Conor McGregor was his last loss, right? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and to, to, to be crazy, fair, man. to be fair, that was many moons ago. He's a totally yeah. different fighter now. Yeah, totally yeah. Different he's fighter. grown. That's my point: is that the fact that he's grown and you know gone on this mad tear, mm. like undercut, you know, unbeknownst to a lot of people. But now he's really shining, and um, man, brought more fire to him, man. Like I'm sure it's going to happen even more for him. I, I've got uh, to admit a, a little bit of bias here. I was watching Aldo more than I was. 
Holloway. Because, well, for two reasons. One, I was a little bit perplexed that um, he wasn't using any leg kicks. I mean, he's famed for his leg kicks. To Aldo. Yeah, he, yeah, Aldo chopped down a tree with those leg kicks, but no leg kick exchanges were forthcoming. But secondly, I was kind of like watching his demeanour because I don't care what anybody says. A 13-second KO loss can ride with you for a couple of fights. And it seemed like he kind of like shook off the spectre of that whole 13-second um, um, loss because that's f- for for a second there that was in danger of actually tarnishing his legacy I mean look how many years he was the dominant champion and it seemed like people forget or had forgotten um, when that loss actually came about you know through that um, 13 second uh, KO via um, McGregor. McGregor it's almost as though people were like writing him off or oh, you were never good in the first place but mm. this um and uh, his last fight against Frank Edgar, I think it kind of like um, cemented in my mind that, you know, he has actually got over that. He is mentally on track, but, you know, Holloway was just better. Yeah, I think Holloway was reading him pretty well and also knew about the fact that um, Aldo tends to, you know, he tends to be a bit more drained in the later rounds. So it yeah. felt like he was kind of, all right, we're going to go into the later round. The other thing is, you know, and I've said this before, previous World Cards, that... Mm. You know, they, you don't knock out them Hawaiians that easily, man. No. And Maori, you know, that that they got a skull that's like... And <laughs> so he took some shots from Aldo. He took a couple shots where it's like, oh, shit. You know, I think it was the first round, right? Yeah. And, you know, he took them, came back like as if it never happened. Yeah. And, and I think from there, that's when... And then once he just got his time in, I heard him saying later on after the fight that he was surprised that um, Aldo wasn't faster than he was, mm. you know, in the cage. He thought that he was going to be a lot faster, but he wasn't. So once he got his time in, I think that's when he realised, like, yeah, I've got it, you know, then yeah, yeah, yeah. to the ground, like, all right, let's do this. I hadn't noticed it before, and, you know, it was kind of evident in the McGregor uh, loss. But mm. also in this one, um, I know it's easy for me to say sitting for my couch or sitting on my couch, but mm. you can catch Aldo on the counter. Mm. Draw him into, um, you know, coming in uh, reckless. Yeah. You'll catch him yeah, on the counter. Yeah, yeah. And that's what that's the what whole hands up in the air, that's what all the pointing down to the canvas, drawing him in with the hope that he'll catch yeah. him off the counter. And if I remember rightly, all the significant strikes that landed from... Uh, Holloway, I'm just trying to play it through my mind. Did actually come off the counter? Yeah, I'm, uh, yeah, 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 for sure. I mean, that, the 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 one two, he he hit a one two, and then he pulled, and then he hit a one two again, and that's what the one that really caught um, Aldo. Aldo. And, there you go. And, yeah, it was definitely a lot of countering involved, mm. and, and I think as well, you know, Aldo, he definitely got a lot more reckless than you're used to seeing it. It was almost like he didn't give a damn. He's like, come on, let's just go for it. Let's. Yeah. Which was quite surprising to see because obviously you, you kind of you, we're quite used to the you know um, what should I say like you know the, not say he's to cruise he's cruising his way all through the fight but we're quite used to him playing the countering game a lot more yeah but the the leg kick thing was surprising but I think that um, um, Holloway pressures fighters in a way that you know it has them not not thinking about their game plan too well. Yeah. You know, like you're not in that stream. And he, he's always like pushing forward and, and having you thinking like what what angle is he coming from as mm. well. So I think that might have been a, quite a big part of it and possibly the fact that he could get taken down as well. Yeah, yeah, Maybe put him off. But man, what a fight. Um, it'd be interesting to see what's next. Do you, you think it should be Frankie or I don't know, Cubs? Uh, 
Cubs, Cubs screaming for, for a fight. To be fair, I, I think, you know, Frankie is due. It's yeah. his time. I mean, to be fair, uh, he, 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 well, okay, he lost to Aldo, but I can't see how Cub Swanson leapfrogs him. I just can't see it. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, I'm a big fan of Cubs and I'd, I'd love for him to get that chance, but I feel it's a bit hard when both the two other names involved in this uh, war triangle, say love <laughs> triangle. Um, you know, the two other names are two people that have beaten him before, yeah. not too long ago as well. Mm. So um, I think it's a, it's probably, it makes more sense for those two to fight and then, I don't know, maybe Cub gets Aldo or, you know, something yeah. like that happens. Yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah, I I, I think Frankie, he deserves it. I mm. think he definitely deserves it. I'm pretty sure he's number one or two anyway, right? Um, well, if, he, well, if the rankings yeah, are whole... anything to go by, I think, yeah, you're right. I think he is number two. Yeah, that that's a bit confusing, that whole bit, the interim. And then, so there's a champ, there'd be interim, and then would it be a number one or would it be champ, interim, then number two? How does that work? That's a good point. Yeah. That is a really good point. Over to you, Batman. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> and then man, let's 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 move on uh, to the elephant of the room, mm. man. The, the big bit of news that's come out in the last few days. Big, I see which what you is, did there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see what I mean? <laughs> it's you the know, mighty bit of news yeah, that came out in the last man, few days. Mighty Mouse, man. Mm. Demetrius Johnson has uh he's pulled the plug, man. He's he's switched. Yeah, you know, yeah. I wanted to say he switched, but he's gone beyond that. He's pulled the plug, and um, just come out in the news recently. Saying you know he's had enough of this, um, he, and just laying it all out how he's been treated over the years um, with UFC, um, and this is all regarding the fact that he feels he's being bullied into having to fight with um, um, TJ Dillashaw, yeah, um, for the, the flyweight title. Um, I think they want. Is it August they want to do it? I think it is relatively soon. It's either July or, or August they were or talking August. about. I can't remember m- memory. And the fact is, really is that right now. he feels that it's not fair um, that, you know, the UFC are kind of siding with TJ Dillashaw's mm. whole spiel of like, yeah, you know, I want to be the one to stop you from breaking this t- uh, title defense run, yeah. which is currently at 10. He's tied with Anderson Silva. That's right. Um, but he wants to make it 11 now. And become, you know, the only person to, or the only fighter to have, um, you know, defended his title. Yeah, more than ten times. Reading in between lines, though, I have to say, look, this is only one side of the story, and it is a very, very detailed account that um, DJ has actually given us. Mm. The way that I look at it is this: reading in between the lines, it boils down to money. Yeah, because what essentially I think is being said to DJ here is. Like, you know what? You're not a draw at the moment. You're not a needle mover. We want to make you a needle mover by giving you a matchup which people will want to come to, will want to put bums on seats, will not vacate the arena as soon as you step in to the cage. Because that's what's been happening up until us. Let's not make no bones about it. Now, the way that I look at it is they are doing him a favor. They're making him more of a draw. They're trying to market him by giving him bigger names. Now, Ray Borg, it's not a big name. I have to say, that isn't mm. going to um, get me to actually tune in. That's not going to actually get... I mean, I'm in the 
industry. <laughs> I'm supposedly MMA media. I'm not going to be. But for real, you wouldn't watch it if he no. was defending his title again. Like, no, if you I, didn't I, know I, about I would Dillashaw, watch it the next day. I wouldn't stay up until stay up four o'clock in the morning. Okay, yeah, but yeah. I would stay up until four o'clock in the morning if it was Dillashaw. If it was Dillashaw. Yeah, I hear that. So they're doing him a favour. Like but what I don't like is the notion. And now, again, I have to keep couching this in this is one side of the story. I don't like the notion that he's being bullied in that the way he put it across is if you don't do this fight against Dillashaw we are going to bin your division Mm. now that might just be rhetoric that might just be words that might just be a sales ploy a sales technique limited time for a limited time this is going to be an offer we're going to make to you if not we're going to withdraw this as an offer that's a typical that's a that's a classic sales technique it's called limited edition. Okay, so when you call that a sales technique, you're mm. saying UFC are trying to sell this to Demetrius Johnson. Of course right? they are. Of course okay, they are. Okay, but that's a that's a huge. You know, what's the point in saying this is what's going to happen if that's not if it's not going to happen? You know, because like, they have to have him on board. They've got to have his emotional buy-in. They've got to make him feel as though you know this is something that you might want to get on board with. Which links me back to what I was saying about Demetrius Johnson at the moment. People are walking out the arena when you get um, into the cage. Mm. Here is a way in which we can make you a needle mover by matching you up against people who, you know, basically put bums on seats and people will find as an intriguing matchup. Why couldn't they do that after he, now when he's broken the t- he's broken that um, title of, of 11, you know, of sorry, of 10 consecutive defences? What wouldn't it be bigger news then if he he beats Ray Borg? Yeah, fair enough. It's not nobody that everybody's you know clamoring to go and see. But now the person that they're like, we want to make you into a star. Yeah, we're trying to make you into a star. Mm. Now he's broken that. You know, he's got the, this title that's even bigger than just the Anderson Silver thing. Now, yeah. wouldn't that be more to push now? Push for okay, possibly a fight with TJ or even Cody might be ready then or Cruz. Wouldn't it be worth it then that now he's got okay this this um company guy that's you know he's obviously he's too nice for everybody to get into him you know he just plays computer games they don't really know what they're doing in terms of promoting him anyway yeah but you know wouldn't that be a a bigger story then it's a good supposition but i'll counter with these two points first off the ufc is in the money-making business and they're in the money-making fast business remember they've just they just expended four point dot 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 billion dollars now they want to recoup that they want to see that return on investment fast they haven't got time to pussyfoot about to make incremental um, pots of money no they have to be on an upward curve to actually satisfy um, everybody um, who has a vested interest in that and the, the vested interest in the UFC is to make money that's the first thing secondly remember the UFC are the employer. Demetrius Johnson, okay, um, is supposedly the um, contractor, independent, independent contractor. contractor. Yeah. But what the UFC have shown time and time again is it's my way or the highway. Look at what happened, for example, with John Jones. Look, you're going to fight Chelsea and all. We're going to bin this entire event. Mm. John Jones called their their bluff. They bin the entire event. Mm. My way or the highway. That's, again, couched heavily in, you know what, there were two sides to every story. So do you think they would, I mean, from what you know and, you know, your experience with 
the UFC, uh, you know, do you think they'd do that? Do you think they'd bin it? Like they, they, they you know, what was it? 155 or whatever. Yeah, UFC I doubt highly that they will bin it because one, um, it's out there now as a factor in the whole bullying approach. Mm. If they take that road, then Demetrius Johnson can say, you see, I told you, I told you. If they don't do it, it's like, oh, come on, Demetrius, it don't sound too true what you just said there. So it mm. casts doubt on his whole, I will bin this division if you don't actually come forward and fight. Yeah, because the thing is, they're not losing money with with um, the flyweights. No, no. Yeah. Again, that's a revenue stream. Again, um, it, it, it basically puts the entire division. We're talking about, you know, there are other people in that division yeah. as well, out of sorts as well. Exactly. So it's like, why would they even talk like that? Why would you even say something? Because like it's that? a negotiating tactic. Yeah. It's a way of calling people's bluff by going to the extreme. It's you know, in in sales, um, it's what's called the third ask. So you do your first ask. Oh, can you fight um, Sergio Pettis? You do your second ask, and that is you want to get them towards the third ask, which is where you ultimately want them to be, and that is, can you fight T.J. Dillashaw? But Sales techniques dictate that you give them the first ask, Sergio Pettis. Second ask, Ray Ball. Third ask is where you want them to be, TJ Dillashaw. Dillashaw. But uh, they, I mean, in terms of the timing of that, I'm not sure whether by the time they'd ask Sergio, they would, oh no, but you're, what you're saying is that they knew. They knew was... about the injury of wow. Cody. From time because I mean we knew about it. Come on, I mean yeah. it's been everywhere in the media that you know he had this problem with his back, and all along the UFC was saying, "No, no, no, you'll be fine. We're going to get you to see our specialists." Mm. Come on, he who feels it knows it. Yeah, that's. Uh, I think it's it's just a bit of a situation that um, you know I feel it for Mighty Mouse because he's after all you know the years of sort of being the company guy. Yeah. Not swearing, you mm. know. You could tell that really deep that he's a bit hood. Like, you know, sometimes <laughs> he lets it out. He's effing and blinding quite a bit, you know. You mm. can tell that there's there's something there, but for the most part, he does his best not to, you know, to be a clean, you know, like a, a martial artist, like a, be a role model for people. But it just hasn't really worked out. I don't think, personally, I don't think they've promoted him as good as they could have. I also feel like, um, just on another note, I feel like maybe what they need to do, because this whole situation of... Yeah, you know, I see people talking about when I'm lurking in the comment sections, you know, I'll do my lurking. <laughs> I see people talking about getting rid of the flyweight division and shit like that. And I'm surprised because I'm like, what? You you don't enjoy what these guys do. But I think maybe they should scale down for some of the smaller divisions. Mm. They should maybe scale down the production of what they do. And so that way, you know, they can still get the amount of people that are into it watching because now Dana's doing all this Tuesday night business and you know obviously you already got the tough situation it's like I don't think it would harm anybody to maybe just that's the idea you know when they do some of these some of these tough um, finals are usually in a smaller arena yeah you know things like that so maybe they could do that but I, I just feel for, for Mighty Mouse because this is almost like out of nowhere you know the whole thing with the belts it, it kind of seems to have stemmed from you know that like a lot of people are like whoa they treat my mouse like shit eh? mm. he's like been using the same belt for he all the you know all that talk about him being um pound for pound best and you know uh, the the greatest fighter on you know, planet earth and yeah. whatnot pound for pound blah 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 they're treating him shoddily 
yeah, not even giving him a belt each mm. time. Mm. And then now this, you know, it kind of, I feel I feel it for him because I think what you could be uh, alluding there or alluding to there has been tied up in a nice little bow. I tell you what it boils down to. Mm. It's about promotion. How can you say to um, Demetrius Johnson, look, you're not that well um, respected, sought after. People don't actually stay to see you fight if you're not actually pushing me out there. Mm. I think case in point, Jimmy Manua, they're starting to promote him heavily now. Yeah, you yeah. see him cage side at events. You see him on MMA Junkie. You see him on all these um, mainstream um, publications now because the UFC are pushing him out there. Mm. Why can't they do the same for DJ? Why can't they promote him heavily? And they're promoting Jimmy heavily because, it to be fair, up until now, they've not done that. Everything that Jimmy has achieved mm. promotion-wise, he's done off his own back. Yeah, yeah. Now... I'm not saying he's gone out there and actively said, oh, come and interview me, but people have actually approached him to interview him. Now it would seem that the UFC are actively pushing him, are actively promoting him, are actively, you know, putting or, or raising his stock mm. by making people more aware of Jimmy Manuel. Yeah, there was, he, I heard Demetrius was talking about, there was um, a couple of occasions that he's, you know, he spent hours in front of a camera, um, green screen, you know, throwing moves or whatever. And they didn't use the footage. And they didn't use any of the footage, yeah. Mm. And, the, you know, I th I think someone like him, especially as dynamic as he is, you know, when he wins a fight, look at there's how many times you see um, highlights of him doing all these crazy flips and, yeah. you know, they don't, and it's almost weird that they don't, you could, uh, you could easily market someone like that mm. towards people that are into the martial arts side of it the people that still watch easily all these action films and you know they love Jet Li movies you know whatever mm. you could easily market this guy to them people but they don't seem to do it even though he's he's definitely more than willing mm. you know the guy's put how many years into being the machine that he is yeah. of course he's going to want to flaunt that he does it when he wins anyway Demetrius Johnson has given them another promotional avenue on a plate now, I'm not really too familiar with this platform, but Twitch apparently is where you go and watch um, celebrities and those who are really, really good at their craft in terms of gaming play games. Yeah, He has it. got a monstrous following in the Twitch community. Right. Don't tell me that they couldn't neatly segue those people who follow him on Twitch and basically fan the flames there and make that like exponentially great in terms of the people that follow him on Twitch and thereby gaining a further foothold into another promo promotional avenue, promotional platform for him. Mm. That's a no-brainer. He's given that for he's given that to them. They haven't actually created that for him. Mm. He's done that himself. Yeah, that's true. So that's what I'm saying. Imagine this is what he can do on his level. Now imagine the promotional ma machinery behind the UFC if they were to actually siphon some of that off onto DJ. Yeah. Do you think that um they, they, you know, for them, it's like they prefer it to happen, you know, kind of semi-organically. So say like for Manua right now, they put him in, putting him in certain places where you're seeing him very often. Yeah. And so if it takes off for him, you know, it's kind of organic. It's like they're still putting him, well, they've done that with DJ. They put him in mm. loads of different seats where you're like, oh, there's DJ, there's DJ. But if it does like, boom for Manua if all of a sudden you got like team Manua left yeah. right and centre yeah. so do you feel like maybe they, they don't they, they do as much as they can in terms of right let's just see if, if you Ronda this situation or if you McGregor this situation or not if you don't 
you know, we, we're not going to put any more into it. Do you think it's a case of that? Because they've got so many champs and so many fighters. No, but that's characters. just it. You have a dominant champion who has been dominant for X amount of years. Mm. It's a no-brainer that you would invest promotionally within, you know, somebody who is, you know, quite dominant in their division. It's just a no-brainer for me. Mm. I, I think that if you're looking at a return on your investment, you need to kind of value the people, the persons who are your most dominant champions. It's cut and dried for me. Mm. Yeah, I guess uh, it's a shame, man. I, I think like there is a bit more they can do, but I, I kind of, you know, what what I'm trying to um, get to is that I feel like maybe they feel like if they do that to the DJ, then they're going to have to do that for Woodley. They're going to have to do that for, you know, Duran Duran to me. Question mark. They're going to have to do that for, Co you know, they're going to have to do that for all the champions and maybe possibly yeah. even other fighters as well. So they mm. feel like, man, but it just, it just seems a, a bit like it's pretty, if it happened to anyone else, maybe Stipe is another guy, but if it happened to anyone else, you wouldn't, you'd be like, eh, well, you know, you're always messing around with them anyway. But the DJ, where you're like, yes, no, sir, you know, like the, the good guy. It's not even that. All of the people that you've mentioned so far have not, um, any level of dominance along the level or along the lines of DJ. DJ yeah, they haven't. True. Don't get me wrong, true. they're champions. That's very true. It should be a, a foregone conclusion. You should be promoting your champions. But given his dominance, given what he's done, he's a company guy as well. Mm. This is the first time he's drawn a line in the sand and said, wait, no, yeah. I won't let you bully me. True. Now, up until then, I have to say, he'd been towing the line and I think he was towing the line with a kind of like expectation that you know, one day the UFC will be investing in him yeah, yeah. and actually exalting him to the position that he should be in. And that is, he should be a superstar, he should be a megastar, yeah. which kind of like leads me back to the whole KSW thing. They get it. Mm. Exalt your champions, promote your champions, mm. and then you have yourself a superb ambassador for your brand. But right now they don't have that. Mm. Yeah, ah, it's a shame, man. It's a shame. Um, so Daniel Cormier came out and said, you know, the UFC should pay him a million for fighting TJ Dillashaw. Um, <laughs> what do you think the UFC should do? Like, they've obviously, they've been quiet. Um, well, today's Monday. This is coming out Monday. And, yeah, we don't know. They might have said something by now. But, you know, what do you think they should... They haven't said anything at all after g his allegations. Give, give, me, give me the whole backstory to this million pounds or million dollars. Well, you know... Cormier is more or less echoing what you, well, you're more or less echoing what Cormier was saying about the fact that he ha there's no one who's been this dominant as a champion. Yeah. You know, he's the best pound for pound fighter um, on the planet. Yeah. And, you know, they, they say all the time when he's about to fight, they, they promote him in this way. Mm. You know, the fact that even, and I thought about like the whole belt thing when they gave him the 10 belts and said, yeah, you can take the pictures. You know, he never walked away with those belts. They actually wow. At the offices. I, I, so, didn't, I didn't know that. Nah. Wow. So he said, yeah, he said it on, um, I think it was on the MMA hour and he was like, you know, Ariel was like, do you have the belts? And he's like, yeah, I've got the belts, but they're at their offices. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I'll get them now, you know? And even that made me think like, yeah, I mean, but he seems really, he was quite complacent with the fact that he didn't have all those belts. He's just mm. like, I just want to take the picture. I just think it would be cool if I could do that. You know? yeah, 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 yeah. And they let him do that because, you know, they don't want to look bad, regardless of how Dana 
you know, he's very good at promoting, and I think part of his is he's like the evil boss type dude. He does that, <laughs> you know. So they they, they don't want to look that bad. Where it's like, what you couldn't let you're gonna let Connor do all of this shit, but you can't let this guy take a picture with ten belts. You can keep the belts if you want them. You know what I mean? Just let him take the pictures. Yeah. Lo and behold, they keep the belts. <laughs> you know, and and so Daniel was talking about all of this and that that they said, and they're like, look, just pay the guy a million, and then let him fight. You know, like that's the least. You know, so regardless whether he wins or loses, he's got paid finally. Mm. Like, just pay the guy. You lot can afford it type shit. That's what he's talking. You know what? I, I would have thought that would be a given that they would look after him financially in the realm of a million dollars. I just thought when you just mentioned that, I was, I was thinking, but doesn't he get paid that anyway? Maybe. I mean, Cormier probably knows better than we do, to, to, to be honest. I, yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe he does. But if he, put it this way, if he was saying, um, remember he was saying a while ago that when they were talking about him facing Cruz, or was it, it was either Dillashaw or Cruz, he said, yeah, pay me two million. I think it was when Dillashaw was champ. And um, people were saying, would you fight Dillashaw? He said, yeah, pay me two million. Yeah. That's what he was saying to um, UFC and whatnot. But, Obviously, so I, I don't know. Maybe he he isn't getting that much, you know. Like maybe he's not getting as much as we think he deserves. The thing about not getting any pay per view cut is already a bit, you know. Like you you tend to think every champion gets, gets a cut of the pay per view. Obviously not. And, and that's why I'm saying that's why it leads me back to what I was saying at the beginning that this is all about money. Yeah, it's all about money, and I understand that because people are saying that. Um, well, you know. The whole pay-per-view cut thing is to do with whether you're a draw. Yeah. Which is fair enough. But there's also the fact that you're a champion, you know, and yeah, you get paid a little bit more. You know, you get um, the Reebok sponsorship is, you know, topped up a bit more and that. But shouldn't there be another sort of like, yeah, by the way, you're the champ. This is what you get when you're the champ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? I, I just feel like that anyway, but not meant to be fair. Yes, bro, you're good. Okay, joining us now, yes. the one, the only. In the building. Emma Sonmez. Again, just talk me through all of this um, matchup with BC MMA. I'm not really too sure how the promotions have actually yeah. linked up. What does this actually mean? Um, what's happened is, I think BC MMA, they've signed a, a business deal with Cage Warriors. Ah. So they're a part of it now. So it's like uh, Cage Warriors Academy, Southeast BC MMA. Ah, uh, right. Cage Warriors Academy, I think, uh, Northwest in Liverpool, Shinobi. Okay. So it's like different, I think like like, like different branches. And uh, I won the lightweight title a couple of weeks ago. And um, they offered me to fight for the featherweight title now. Tremendous. You're going to be yeah. a two-division champion. Yeah, that's the aim. Tremendous. Tremendous. And, uh, like, I saw the fight where you won the title. It was uh, the crazy knees, right? Nah, was that the, was the fight before. Oh, that was yeah, the one. Yeah, actually, nah, it was knee as well. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, that they just like that angle <laughs> that that knee came from was from nowhere. Like, did you know what you were doing right there? Yeah, or? I mean, um, <laughs> we, like when we train, we practice um, like throwing shots from different angles, and because mm. we're because we've got kickboxing background, like we're able to like punch, kick, knee from like weird angles because of our flexibility. So once I had his hand trapped, I thought, you know, let me just get my leg. Around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was nice, him, man. Yeah, and it came from nowhere. Yeah, I don't think he expected it because not a lot of people throw knees from there. Yeah, and um, yeah, it caught him. It's like a jackpot. <laughs> That's crazy, man. 
How did it feel like that? Now you become champ. Like, what was it? You know, do you, does it up your game? Does it make you, you know, you feel like, okay, I mean, I'm like, doing the right thing? Yeah, I mean, it does feel like you're doing the right thing because, um, like, all the hard work pays off. Yeah. Like, you've won a title now, so you're like a top contender a little bit. And uh, you go up in the rankings as well, like in UK and Ireland. And um, it's just a good thing now because then more opportunities will come up as well, more doors will open because you've got a belt now. And it's not like a small show, it's a quite big show as well. Yeah, like, I think um, there was 87,000 views like on the live link last nice. event. So it's quite big. And um, yeah, it feels good. I mean, opportunities will probably start coming now, especially if I win the featherweight title as well. And when you talk about those opportunities, it, I mean, again, manage my expectations here. Is BC MMA being seen as a sort of a contender show for cage warriors, as in the mainstream cage warriors that everybody like knows of, like the, you know where the London yeah. shows take take place? I think um, with the BC MMA uh, Cage Warriors Academy, it's like I think it's an opportunity to get into cage warriors straight away. Right. So for the pros and even for the amateurs, like the top amateurs, because I know some of the top amateurs in the country competed in the last show. And um, it's like a platform for them to get in and for the pros as well, a platform for the pros to get in and sign a multi-deal in cage warriors. Mm. So it's a, it's a good platform. I think it's a good platform, especially like because I won the title now and when I win the next title as well, then maybe cage warriors maybe other shows as well might approach like bigger shows yeah more international european because two i mean I, I don't really see a lot of fighters of two weight division like no. titles and i'm lucky because of my weight because i walk at 155 70 mm -hmm. kilo so i don't really cut weight nice so for featherweight i'm only gonna lose four kilo which is nothing you know one thing which i'm kind of like intrigued and i always ask this question because i'm always intrigued by the answers what actually prompts you to go for a show like Cage Warriors as above um, Bama or even something like, you know, staying on UCMMA? What is it that actually makes you think, you know what, I'm going to go for this opportunity instead? Um, what make it, it depends. Like, sometimes other shows will offer you different stuff. Like, um, it could be purse, it could be um, more recognition, they could promote you. They could do like they do stuff for you. I mean, if you put on a good show on for them, if you're a good fighter, yeah. Like um, now, I know for the next fight, I've got like the title fight. Um, I think they're gonna do a documentary on it now. Nice. Yeah. So it so it builds me up a little bit. Your puts, profile is yeah. gonna be heightened. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it's just different opportunities. Whichever one like benefits you, obviously, and you'll benefit the show as well. And if you click with a promoter, if you got work around it then you'll fight in that promotion mm. and how is it off the back of all of that sponsorship um does that roll in do you find that you know people are at, you're finding it easier to get you know names on your shorts on your t-shirts that sort of thing um kind of yeah i mean um i don't think it's limited in uk anyway so so you could put anyone on your short like your sponsorships to uh, promote them so which is good um. Yeah, that, it's a weird thing as well, yeah. isn't it? The whole sponsorship thing. Like, yeah. I, I find, um, I think it was it. Yeah, we were talking about KSW earlier, and um, they've still got like fighters with, you know, people writing 
or I guess yeah, what is it? it's not permanent tattoo anyway, it can't be, but you know, promoting some form of like tire uh organ <laughs> It's a henna tattoo and I, I, I have to say that's a very, very unique way of getting extreme exposure for a brand because once you take off that T shirt on the way to the cage, that's it, done. But for the duration of the fight, fifteen minutes, your sponsor is loving that. <laughs> There's also people trying to read, they're like, Rob, what what does that say, man? There's all sweat there, chest hairs all in the way. You know, you don't know what's going on. But I always find it like an awkward thing. You know, like for me, I'm a I'm a rapper, I'm an artist. So in terms of like me going out and going, yeah, can you sponsor me uh, Beats by Dre or whatever, whatever. I always find it a weird thing to do. But that's more something your manager would do yeah. than opposed to you, right? But even for fighters as well, like it's, it's very hard to get sponsorship. Like you need to, like for us it's weird as well, like going up to someone saying like, do you want to sponsor yeah, me? Yeah. You know, they look at you and then First, what they'll think, what they're gonna gain off you. Mm. So it's like, it, it's, it's hard, especially I think um, in UK as well. Like in other countries, I think because they, they promote MMA more, mm. like they'll sponsor you. But in UK, I think MMA is just like I, I believe it's my own opinion. I think it's starting to get a bit big now. I was just saying yeah. that earlier. Like in UK, if you're a football player, like tennis, golf, like that's when you get like sponsorships. But when they look at MMA, it's still a bit, you know. Barbaric. Yeah, it's still not there yet. But for example, in America, in Russia, in Germany, like fighters out there, I know like my friends out there, they fight professionals or mm. like they get sponsorships, like it's nothing. Like, Serious. Yeah. So does that tempt you to then go to another country and, 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 and um, make it happen? Not, not really. I mean, because you could make it from here too. Like mm. if, you, if you keep fighting, you know, you get your name out there. You know, once they see you're a good fighter and there's potential in you, then sponsorships will come. Yeah, yeah. But I think in Europe, it's just a bit more easy. Like in the beginning stage of your career, like you could get a sponsorship. But like over here, it's a bit more hard. Like you need to actually prove yourself, show like like what uh, McGregor did. He get went the out wins, there, yeah. smashed that run up, and then he got, he got the opportunity and then sponsorship just went crazy all over him, man. Would you equate like that, obviously, like the McGregor and the Ronda whole, you know, the, the, them avalanching or, you know, them blowing up? being the reason why now there's a bit more you I know we got you in J check as well for you I mean I mean what 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 they've done for MMA especially in UK I think it's good like put, put UK out there a bit more island so which is good I think it showed there are a lot of potential in UK too like to fight on the world scene so hopefully we'll get a chance as well one day I mean let's just take a step back so that you know for those who aren't quite uh, those who aren't familiar with your name you're fighting out of Lions Den Gym I mean why the move or why Lions Den Gym I mean what was it about this particular gym that made you think you know what this is going to be my home um, bef before we did MMA um, I started kickboxing uh, with Khalid uh, my head coach mm. like we just used to do kickboxing that's Khalid Ishmael right yeah, Khalid Ishmael yeah um, he's like eight times British champion, European yeah. medalist, um, fourth down black belt in kickboxing. Mm. Uh, I've started training with him uh, when I was about 11 and then um, 24 now. And when I turned 16, he said to me, do you want to try MMA? So I said, okay. Yeah, I mean, I trust him. Like, So we, we started training MMA and then since then I've started doing it. And um, it's just the quality of training here. We're like, we don't have... A lot of fighters, like small teams, but uh, a, the team is small, but very, like, they're loyal, they're good. I mean, there's no um, 
no ego yeah, yeah no politics here like we just get on with our training and we just go fight we do the business and um that's it really i mean it's it's very good here like the standard of fighters here the standard of the coaches are i mean i don't think we could find any other coaches like that anywhere in uk that's my opinion like I, I've got to kind of like back up your opinion there. And full disclosure, I started out at Lions Den Gym in terms of um, training for kickboxing and uh, Muay Thai and uh, under uh, Professor Brooks, um, yeah. Nick Brooks, yeah. um, BJJ. But one of the things which kind of like struck me about um, this gym in particular is that there aren't any egos most gyms you go to people try to kind of prove themselves so they'll go in hard they'll yeah. they'll hold on a choke that bit longer <laughs> trying to prove themselves but there is none of that here they'll kind of like take your head off with like you know roundhouse kick for no reason other than to just you know assert their dominance but there's none of that here yeah over here yeah we don't we don't get into all that because like your team here i mean you could train hard but there shouldn't be ego within your team because mm. um, like your fight is not in the gym. Your fight will be 12 weeks later, yeah, 8 yeah, weeks yeah. later. That's what you're preparing for. So like over here, we don't do that. Like We look after each other. Like We try to prevent injuries. We look after each other. Because um, once you start training together, once you click, you become a family. So it's like you, you don't want to be doing that to each other. When, yeah. But there's other gyms that you go to like first day. Yeah, you oh, you touch hands with them, whatever, in training, and then boom, straight ran ran us kick to your yeah, head. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they'll, they'll put you asleep, like you don't know what's happening, and um, that would be like a bad experience for mm. that person, and they might even leave and not come back, but they might have potential, and if they train, they might get somewhere. But when you have a bad experience, like it might just be all over, and that will be the experience, and they'll just stop. But in in, in LDG, we don't have that. Like it's very pr uh, professional here. I mean, with all the amateur fighters, the pros, the coaches. They're very professional and they know what they're doing. And um, yeah, I mean, it's all, it's all good here. Mm -hmm. I, I suppose there's another way of actually looking at it because um, not dissing them, but I then moved on to um, uh, London Shoot. Now, it's totally different than that down there. They, they kind of like going a little bit harder, I have to say. Mm. And there, there, are, there are no, how can I put it, pals or camaraderie. Everybody's there for self-improvement of themselves. Yeah. But... What they're really good at down there is showing you how you can actually better improve yourself, so you don't mm -hmm. get caught, so you don't get caught on a counter, so you don't get um, caught in a round, or caught in a, a rear naked. And that, that's the good thing. So it kind of like makes your level actually go up because it takes you out of your comfort zone. Every time you go there, it's like a next level striking, next level jujitsu. Yeah. They're kind of like taking you on odyssey. That it's never plateau. Yeah, yeah. I mean. Um yeah, I mean, it's true, like, we do that here too, but um, we j I don't think, we just don't go as hard. Yeah. Like, we have certain days when we go hard, mm. like, it can't just be hard, hard, hard every day, you know, I mean, like, martial arts is about learning, even if you don't want to fight more about self-discipline, you know, learning, like, there's a lot of things that comes with it, but if you just keep going hard, hard, hard every day, I think, like, even as a fighter, you have an early career. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 you have an early career, like, losing brain cells keep getting hit yeah I mean and you don't want that especially in MMA like your career is not long in MMA well if you look after it it's long but if you keep having sparring every single day your knee will go your head will go your elbow will go mm. which is not good I mean that's that's why we don't do that here I mean we, we train hard but we train smart at the same time it's funny you talk about like, the career of a mixed martial artist 
How difficult is it or how easy is it to be a mixed martial artist in the UK in 2017? Because a lot of people I speak to, they talk about they have to get either a part-time job or they've got to get some level of investment behind them because there just isn't any money in mixed martial arts, especially promotions paying you £250 to be main event. Yeah, I mean, it, it is true. Like, to... To be a, a pro fighter, even an amateur in MMA in UK now, it's very hard. Like you need some sort of an income. Like you need some sort of income at least monthly or weekly, because your your training will probably cost about ninety pound a month. Mm. And if you're working part time and we, like, which is, it won't be that great because then your nutrition, then what you're gonna pay your coaches. Mm. So it, it it will add up, and um, it's very it's actually very hard. And like you said, um, two hundred fifty pound for a main event, which is true. A lot of fighters do get that. But um, I, I believe it's hard. That's why um, you do need sponsorships. Like you need, like you need people sponsoring you. Like even if it's a hundred pound a month, just to help you a little bit for your travel. So supplement, then, yeah. yeah, supplement travel. So then that stresses off your shoulders. And then to like until you make it, you need you need some sort of like a little income. Like it's hard. I, I think it's hard. Like if you don't have a little income, uh, I don't know, it will be very hard to make it. Like in in mixed martial arts in UK. Do you think like now, because I, I feel like, you know, with this new wave of um, MMA that's come out as well, you know, younger generation like yourself, now you got ways that you could promote yourselves that the yeah. older generation yeah. didn't really have. You know, obviously, the in, you know, it's like the same for me with the music business. Like now there's a whole different way to market yourselves, yeah. as well as the whole sponsorship side, which is, you know, the internet now is the TV, is the radio, is the magazine. So you can create your own, you know, sort of um, channel um and promote yeah. whatever it yeah. is so do you do you feel like now it's easier to, to yeah. get yourself out there if you yeah. want yeah i think i think yeah it is easier now especially like with instagram like, like yeah. you said, social media All of that. like you could get your name out there and um if someone sees your profile they might like you they might want to sponsor you mm. i mean I, I've, I've had it myself like i've experienced it like i just keep promoting my fight stuff my training stuff on my instagram and mm. I, I just got a random company just message me uh, would you like any sponsorships? Same. Yeah, they saw my fights. Um, they saw my profile. They go, yeah, you're good. We're interested in you. We'll just promote you. We'll just um, pay you. You just promote us on your fight. Nice. And so I said, cool. So, I mean, social media does get you out there, which is good. I think 10 years ago would have been very hard. Like yeah. the older generation <laughs> it's now. crazy, man. Yeah. Now, I think some of the older lot are just getting into it now. Mm. Um, but for the younger lot, like early in their career, I think it's easy, man. Even for the amateurs, like I know amateurs out there, if you go on the Instagram, they've got like 100k followers, yeah, 200k yeah, yeah, followers, yeah. and which some pros don't even have that. That's crazy. I mean, yeah. they obviously know what they're doing as well yeah. when it comes yeah. to that. Yeah, that's pretty crazy, man. So you, you um, I heard you say you, like you're teaching. Is that right? Like, yeah, yeah. Um, I teach kickboxing. Yeah. And um, uh, yeah, just I teach kickboxing a couple times a week uh, in LDG and in uh, Legion Fitness as well. Um, I'm a black belt under my instructor and mm. we got like a syllabus we follow, we try to teach it. It's just like the BJJ thing but more yeah. of a kickboxing style now. Yeah. So yeah, um, so I'm teaching and I work here as well and I train. And, At um, LDG? Yeah. Oh so, wow, so you're more or less living here then. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so everything's kind of covered. Because um, I've known my coach for a very long time, like, I grew up around him. Yeah. So um, it's different with us two, like we've got a different uh, bond, like relationship. Mm. So it's just not like... Um, uh, just brethren it's yeah. like more family more, more family yeah. yeah so which is good and um, 
he does put in a lot of time for me. So, um, I mean, I do appreciate everything. I give him a shout out from here. Yeah, Kelly, this man, my coach. It's all love, man. I love you. Of course, man. That's <laughs> lovely to hear. Yeah, man. So, so he uh, he picked you up as a, you were kickboxing. Yeah. And then um, he was like, yo, you know, why don't you try this MMA Yeah, he thing? said, try MMA. I was 16. We literally did two weeks of jujitsu. Just had to defend. Mm. And then I said, all right, then I went in the cage and I won first round knockout. Serious? Yeah, it was my first. Like, what was that? Amateur fight? Amateur or just fight, a, yeah. Oh, serious? 16, yeah. And then from there, I thought, you know what? I enjoy this, man. Let me just get into it. <laughs> Did it feel like freedom? We were chatting to um, Galore Bofando a while ago, and um, it was about the fact that, you know, because I was saying, man, you look like you're enjoying yourself in there more so yeah. than you would in terms of just straight kickboxing. Is it the freedom that... Yeah, it, yeah, yeah, I do agree with Galore. It is the freedom. Like, when, once you're in there, it's like, you're not... Um, like you're not limited. You have mm. you can use your knees, your elbows, kicking, and uh, that which is a good thing. And for me, like, I like to use every single part of my body. Like when I fight, my kicks, mm. my knees. I try wrestle. I do, like we do everything here. So um, which is good. Like you don't feel like restricted. Mm. So uh, yeah, yeah, you just free free in there, man. And I think that's the beauty of it. What do you think you enjoyed the most when it in terms of coming from kickboxing and then now you're learning wrestling, you're learning yeah. jujitsu, um, yeah, now Muay Thai. What, what did you enjoy learning? You know, what was the one where you like, wow, I really enjoyed it, like this? this I part? think um, probably wrestling. I started doing uh, freestyle wrestling mm. uh, when I when I was seventeen until now. And man, like, like I believe if you could wrestle, like proper wrestle, you could you could manage to do any any sport you could do. Like, I think that's the toughest sport, yeah. and it's actually very technical. But um, I say wrestling, man. I really enjoy it. Like the angles, the flexibility, the strength. You know, when you're just grinding it out. Yeah. Like, even in the fight, when it gets hard and you're just grinding it, like grabbing, throwing. And that, like, I don't think anything could beat that feeling. Yeah, it's because people talk about bit, like the base, you know, whether it be a striking back, background. But you, would you say wrestling then? Would I, be? I'll, say, I'll say wrestling, yeah. And then BJJ. One of the things that I would love to get your take on if you could actually sit down in front of a UK mixed martial arts promotion and you were to say look here is my wish list now you've got some demands I'm sure of these promotions what would be the number one thing that trips off your tongue to someone like a Cage Warriors to someone like a Bama to someone like a UCMMA to someone like a BC MMA what would be the number one thing that you'd be saying you know guys can we um, um, <laughs> I think f first of all, I think um, they do treat their white like they, they do treat their fighters well. I mean, all, all promotions in UK. Yeah, but I think they need to um, probably, my opinion, probably give more money to the fighters. Mm. Like how it's in boxing, like in in boxing, like you, you get a manager. I mean, you get a promoter. They promote you. And then they'll they'll pay you better money. I think that's the thing with MMA is still not like boxing. I think MMA promotion needs to like pay their fighters a bit more. Like yeah. like I said earlier, two hundred fifty pound for a main event. Mm. I mean, like in a main event fight for boxing in UK, it's probably about ten fifteen grand, twenty grand. Yeah. So uh, I think that's the only thing. Like everything is good, the professionalism and they promote you. But um, I think, my opinion, probably just a purse. Increase, to, the yeah, increase the purse and look after the fighters a bit more mm. I want to take things on a, on a kind of like a, a different tact here because it's hard not to see 
when you turn on the news, when you walk the streets of somewhere like Dagenham, or even walking in Seven Kings, that there's a different atmosphere now. There's a different way in which people look at you, um, you know, particularly those from a Islamic faith. Yeah. Are you finding yourself, I mean, you know, considering, you know, you're, you're a practicing Muslim, yeah. coming from you, the background that you are at the moment, is there any noticeable difference considering what we've been seeing on the news of the latest terror, terror attacks recently? Um, not really. I mean, I haven't experienced anything like when I'm walking on roads and different areas like Barking and Dagenham. I think I haven't experienced anything. So um, I think media is a bit like biased. Like I think they're wrong the way they promote stuff. Like, I haven't experienced anything personally. People look at me a different way. I think the only time they look at me is when they look at my ears. Because <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a cauliflower ears. Um, yeah. Like besides that, no, I haven't. Yeah, haven't experienced anything. Because you're right to pick up on, you know, the how the media is actually portraying it. So it's a very tense time at the moment. Yeah. It's a very um, complicated time given what we've all been going through. Now, the thing is this: you're actually experiencing it yourself and you're a practicing uh, Muslim yourself but walking along the streets you haven't seen any difference any noticeable difference nah. in, in your opinion no I haven't seen anything man like I, and, like, I travel a lot as well because I teach and I teach like people of, like all faith like white yeah. black Asian and um, I haven't experienced anything I mean like what you see on media and I think what you see in real life and you experience of is totally different yeah like, yeah I, that's what I think it is because like, I'm, I'm always in it Essex, you know, uh, we've got another branch in Rome for the LDG, so we're there, mm. we're teaching there, and uh, Leighton Store, Dagenham, Barking. I mean, people see me like, like never, yeah, like I said, just my ears. When they look at my ears, they get a bit <laughs> funny, they start like, questioning me. But besides that, I haven't experienced anything, to be honest. Mm. So, just before we kind of like um, segue into where you're going next, just on the title, um, I'm kind of like intrigued. I want you to bust a little exclusive here. Who is it that you've got? Who, who have they actually lined you up against um, for your next uh, title run? Um, they've got someone called, um, I think his name is Dominic Dillon. He's fought um, on BCMMA before. I think he's won his last two fights and the title was vacant. So uh, the promoter, Jack, a uh, great guy, he asked me... Um, would you like to fight for lightweight or featherweight? I said, uh, I'll fight featherweight. And he said, how about a title fight against Dominic Dillon? And um, I said, cool, no problem. Um, I think he's fought on uh, some big shows like ACB when it was in UK, so which is good for me. Like, um, if I beat him, it would be good. Like, he's fought on a big show, so it shows that I can fight them caliber people. I mean, um, yeah, that's it. Yeah, don't really know much about him. He just said, I've seen him fight. It was, uh, he fought, yeah, same show as me, I think six mate was. Six mate. Yeah, we fought on the same show and it was in my change room. I see him. I mean, yeah, it's not it's not a thing for me. <laughs> what is that like? Like so knowing you're like, oh it's that dude. I saw him in my change room. Yeah, what was I, that like? <laughs> yeah, like as soon as he said his name, like I had like a flashback, man. I see yeah. him like warming up. I thought like, this dude. I said, Yeah, that's cool, man, no problem. I sent it to my coach and he just goes, right, this he goes, This ain't a problem, man. He goes, just do your thing. And so this is going to be for the featherweight title. Featherweight title. So you could be a two division champ. Two, yeah, two two division champ, man. And, and then, then after that, are you, so you you're ready to like jump up and down in terms of yeah, defense I, and I, after that, like I I want to fight more um 
more international after that. Yeah. Yeah, like, because um, my record will be good. I mean, um, I'll be 9 and 1. Mm. And uh, all my last fights have been first round stoppage. Yeah. Yeah, so I think I believe in myself. I believe in my potential and my coaches. Like, we believe we're more international level, like the higher, higher um, shows. Mm. So that's the aim, obviously. Once we win this title, try to get out there and uh, represent the ends, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> represent I like that, where man. we come from, man. We've got, we got to represent, man, where we come from. So. Because there are other promotions, like obviously you got like Venator as well. We're talking about KSW, like there yeah. are other promotions out there now, yeah. not just like the UFCs and Bellator yeah. that you could go and start actually making um, you yeah. know, a run for it. Yeah, that's the aim, man. So any, any of them big shows, it could be Bellator, it could be KSW, 1FC, UFC, you know, yeah. just to, to get into the big circuit, like where the big boys are. And then we could just show, man, what we're made of. And like there's some good fighters in the UK as well, you know, we could promote UK even more show that because I think there's a lot of, like not misunderstanding but people always think like the good fighters are from America yeah. from Russia but man there's a lot of potential in UK mm. like we just haven't had the chance to show ourselves but once we do like you can see man once we do like we've got a lot of UK uh, UFC fighters they're slowly getting in there mm. even in KSW Bellator like it shows that there are good fighters out of here too mm. and um, so like what's the plan for you in terms of like where you want to take it do you obviously, want to become a champion in one of these bigger Yeah, of course, man. Of course, yeah. yeah. Obviously, the aim for every MMA fight, if you ask them, they want to get into UFC. So mm. that's that's the ultimate goal. So um, that's what we're working towards. And what was your thoughts on, I know you're a big Saki fan. What was your thoughts on <laughs> Saki being, being signed to the UFC? I keep asking him, by the way, to, to, to add you on Facebook. Yeah. I keep asking him to follow you on Twitter, but... Come on, man. Saki, Saki, if you're listening to this, you need to add me, man. <laughs> <laughs> man, I, I'm happy, man, that he went in there. I mean, I see some hate on him towards social media, saying oh, he hasn't had an MMA fight. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of fighters working their way in there. But you got to remember, this guy's had more than 100 K1 fights. Mm. So that fight experience, he's, he's already got it. And... Um, he has had one, one MMA one, fight, but Maybe, it, yeah, maybe. So I he's had a fight. So. Yeah, lying, he's had, at least he had a one MMA hating, fight, innit? <laughs> man, I, I think it, he'll be a, a a big threat for for the division. Like, a lot of people probably think, yeah, we'll just take him down and we'll do this. But if he's got a good takedown defense and yeah. he just keeps the fight standing, well, man, he's going to smash a lot of people up in the UFC. He's working in the moment um, in Dubai with Tam Khan. And uh, I know that, you know, Take Dandy is what they've been drilling yeah. for a while, the longest while. But yeah, you're right. Okay, he's famed for his striking. He's, yeah. he's, he's famed for his stand-up. But I was intrigued because I know you're a, you're a big Saki yeah. fan. But, you know, the thing that worries me is that there's only so far you can get with um, moderate takedown D and there's only so yeah. far you can get with you know KL power and KL uh, ability and stand-up ability. So that's why I was intrigued yeah. what you thought um, as to, you know, Saki signing. Yeah, I, I think Saki will do good because I, I see a video of him. This was ages ago, man. It was about eight years ago. Yeah. And he's been eight years and he was doing uh, BJJ. So it, if he's trained from since then until mm. now, but he probably hasn't showed people. So I think once he fights, I think he'll surprise a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. And um, it's, it's good as well because it, it'll be like, I think the first Turkish UFC fighter or the second one. So I think we got, like, we've got a lot of good Turkish fighters as well, like abroad. Yeah. Like in Germany but they're mainly K1 like they're not into MMA mm. so it'll be good uh, another Turkish fighter getting into MMA which is on, on, in UFC so I think it'll be good 
it will show that we have good MMA fighters as well. And just sticking with the UFC and like neatly segueing back to LDG, um, as Mice said that we interviewed recently um, Galore Fando, yeah. who started off at LDG. Yeah. What's your thoughts on uh, Galore being in the UFC and um, how far do you see him going considering that you've obviously trained with him, you've obviously yeah. considered him as a, as a gym brother? I mean, um, Galore... Glow's got a lot of potential, a lot, man. Like the natural attributes he's got, like he's you've seen him yourself as well, man. Glow is like on another level. Um, I think he'll do well. Um, I don't think there's anyone that's got stand up like him in UFC yet. I don't think there's no one. So I think he'll do good. You know, he's got a lot of potential, a lot of heart. But um, like I said, like MMA is just not stand up though. So uh, there's so many other elements to BJJ, judo, wrestling, and um, if if Glow's, because Glow left LDG, he didn't leave LDG, but he was still teaching there, training on his own. But um, he joined London Shoot. I mean, if he's kept if he's kept his training good there with the wrestling and that, he should he should be all right. I think I see him going far, but you can't just rely on your stand up. Uh, but I mean, I think he'll do good. I think he'll do good. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. I think he's coming up in Glasgow soon, isn't it? Is it uh, yeah, July? July. Yeah. Um, so from then, so in terms of like, like I want to talk about you being like, because, you know, we've been talking about this whole thing with um, my, the Mighty Mouse situation. And, you know, obviously you're you're in a situation where you're going to become a two-division champ. Yeah. And then, but there's, there might be people like, look, he's going to hold up this division while he's, yeah, how do you feel about what's going on with him at the moment? Because, you know, it seems to be a big situation now that no one can... Yeah, man, I think with Mighty Mouse, man, I think um, I think the UFC is a bit un unfair with him. Mm. Like, um, like he, he's a very humble guy. He just goes in there, does his thing, and he just leaves. He, he wins. He's got the longest win streak in UFC title defence. Yeah, he's like tied ten. with um, yeah. Anderson Silva. For yeah, that. yeah, about 10, ten title defences and... He's still not getting paid as some of the other fighters mm. or getting the thing. But um, I think sometimes you do have to be the bad guy and just <laughs> trash talk, man, if you want to get out there. Yeah. But if it's not in your character, it would be very hard to do that. Because you got to act. Yeah, you got to act. Yeah, and if you're like a real guy, man, you, you can't really act and do yeah. that type of stuff. So um, I think Mighty Mouse is going through that phase now. Like, he doesn't want to be the bad guy. But recently, I've read some. I think he's had enough, so he started yeah, a little he's bit. Yeah, just, he's pulled out his heart. Yeah, I think we, we, which is like, I don't think. I mean, it is upsetting a bit because he's not getting the recognition he wants and the money as well. But um, like, I think in MMA, like, there's more hype around the welterweights, the light heavyweights, yeah. the featherweights. Yeah, the bigger. Yeah, the bigger. The, these are the more like known weight categories. Um, but I think Mighty Mouse just got a trash talk, man, a little bit. <laughs> Do you think that maybe, like, they, they need to... Because um, I'm wondering whether, is it the speed thing? Like, you know, like, they seem, they seem to say that there's not as much interest in the lighter weights, you know, especially the flyweight. Yeah. And when you watch them, they are moving around mad quick. You know what I mean? It is a bit like, wow, what happened there? Oh, when you get the slow-mo. Yeah. So maybe they need to <laughs> they need to replay it <laughs> in slow-mo for us, slow it down or something. Like, it baffles me why people don't... Mm. aren't interested in the lighter weights even though yeah. there's so much action i think because there's more like in in the lighter weights like featherweight i mean uh like flyweight bantamweight mm. there are good fighters but there's not that much like there will be only one or two or three top contenders but mm. if you go to True. 
the lightweight, the featherweight, the welterweight. There's more. There's more. They'll be like top 15 fighters. So which is more interesting as well. And um, they get promoted a bit more because, like, yeah, like I said, there's there's more fighters, man, more exciting fighters. Mm. Like in just in the lightweight division in UFC, man, there's about top 15 lightweights. Mm, yeah, 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 yeah. So imagine you promote all 15 of them. So yeah, and it will be good true. for UFC. It will be good for the fighters uh, too. But um, I think that's the problem. Maybe, yeah. maybe you need to move up weight category now to featherweight or. Well, that's the thing. So that's yeah. why I was asking you because, like, in a sense, you're kind of the Dillashaw of this, you know, BC <laughs> MMA. Like you're, like yeah, you're the, you know, or even Connor, I guess. But you're, you're going down. Yeah. Do you think like Dillashaw's being a bit, you know, it's like, bruv, just wait your turn with the bantam weight. Like, deal with what you got to do with over there. Don't try and come here. Or do you feel like you know? Nah, I, I think Mighty Mouse needs to move up, man, because yeah. you can't. Like, if you've had 10 defences, come on, man, you got to move up. I mean, like, in boxing, when they win a title, then they move up to 168, then they move up to 170, 170 then 173. Like, if you've, like, conquered the whole division, especially 10 times, mm. like, you need to move up. I think that's why, because you've beaten everyone. Like, I think uh, Mighty Mouse has had a rematch with every fighter he's beaten. Nearly, yeah, isn't nearly, it? Yeah, nearly, yeah. He's had so he's, much rematch, I, yeah. Yeah, is it done? Has he done Benavidez three times? No, it's twice with Benavidez. Twice, yeah. And then so he's done, he's done twice with Dodson. Yeah. Yeah, I so, guess. So I think he needs to move up now. Yeah. But you don't think he, you know, he might as well at least get his 11, like, yeah, like, that money. Man, he's done it, he, I think he's done it 10 times, like 10 belts. <laughs> but he's tied with, it's almost like um, Mayweather, isn't it? It's like Mayweather's tied with, um, for 49 and oh. Yeah. You know, and and so it's like right. He wants to break it. He wants yeah. to be the one guy that has that. Has and that I, I yeah. feel like the DJ is like, man, I don't get paid. I don't get yeah. pay per view points. I don't <laughs> even get my ten belts. Let me at least get, you know, what I mean, my eleventh. You know, what I mean, let me submit that and then be uh, about my yeah. Baby. I think maybe after then, maybe if like if he wins it one more time, like he has to go up, man. In weight category, he has to go up. Just before we wrap up, I have to say it'd be remiss of me if I didn't mention that. I used to roll with you. I used to spar with you. Man, it's such an honour to see you. First of all, in that chair on the woke up. But secondly, you know, not only, you know, grabbing one belt, but now you are moving on to the second belt. Seriously, it's an absolute honour. No, but Thank you, man. Before we finish that, I just want to make sure that everybody knows when the fight is actually happening and the social media channels that we can actually tune in and, you know, follow your journey. Um, the fight will be happening uh, 25th November in Colchester. Um, I think there will be a documentary being uh, documentary being made uh, on coming up to the fight, so like some countdown episode thing. Nice, nice. Yeah, and um, you can follow my training and my fight, um, like my fight camp when it happens on my Instagram. So uh, Emra underscore Sonmez one. Where can we see the documentary? Um, it will be on YouTube on BCMMA channel. Right. So it'll be on there. Um, yeah, that's it. To be honest, twenty fifth November. Um, don't miss it out man keep it on your diary <laughs> definitely we'll definitely be featuring that documentary as soon as that hits YouTube we'll definitely be embedding that but Emra I have to say absolute pleasure to see <laughs> no, you thank succeed you, man. thriving and surviving man thank it's an you. incredible journey having seen where you come from yeah. now where you are it's amazing no, thank you man amazing. appreciate it appreciate it guys beautiful man uh, good luck with the uh, featherweight title thank, as well thank man. you man once we get that, and then, then we're out there, man. Bigger and better things, yeah. man. I yeah. can feel it, bro. Definitely. Yeah, thank you, man. Yes, man. 
I meant what I said. It was a real honour to have um, Emra on the show because, you yeah. know, having rolled with him, sparred with him and like seeing him now. I mean, okay, Tom Dukenwar has done it in terms of being a two-weight division champion. But, you know, seeing someone that you actually know, you've no. actually rolled and you've actually, you know, um, come up with, yeah. it's incredible to see. It must be, man. He's a really, he's got a good heart as well, man. He's a down-to-earth guy. Yeah, very definitely. humble. Very down-to-earth, very humble. And um, very skilled as well, man. Like seeing him in the cage, you can, I like his footwork, his mm. movement. He glides along the canvas. I know some of them canvases are slippery, but you should see his ground good. game. Yeah, guy choked me out one time. I'm so glad he didn't mention it. <laughs> <laughs> so you did it anyway. <laughs> so right then, let's let's move on to this card coming up this Saturday, June the 17th. Yeah, um, UFC Fight Night in Singapore, beautiful place, Singapore. If you are out there um, going to see the fight live, do go down to Little India and get yourself uh, biryani. Because them things are banging. Biryani in yeah. Singapore? In Singapore, yeah. There's a place called Little India. Wow. And you can go into this like food court area, order yourself a little goat biryani Mm-mm-mm. or mutton or whatever you want to call it these days. But it's banging, man. I, but- I ain't had a biryani like that in a while. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Okay. But yeah, Singapore. Mm. With Holly Holm versus Betch as the main event. Betch Koheya versus Holly Holm, man. Boy, this is one of those fights where you think you know who should win, but you're not sure anymore, man. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't know what's happened with Holly. You know, her last couple fights, she just doesn't seem like the woman we thought. I, I don't think, like, you know, her, her fight with Durandamy, I think it could have gone either way still, but it just feels like when someone starts losing, you know, and they don't stop losing... That's it. It's just a downwards spiral. So many people like that. that I interview, that I talk to, they talk about the psychology coming before um, the fight or the fighter. The psychology, obviously, is the engine. That's what's actually going to be driving you. And if that isn't working, if that's broken, if that has a flaw in it because of a series of losses, it's so difficult to get back on track. So that's why I worry about Holly Holm going into this because of the fact that, you know, she's been on the downward spiral. She's been on the downward slope. Plus the expectation, the fact that she's coming from a place like Jackson's where, you know, they're not really renowned for churning out people who are coming on, you know, the back of successive um, back-to-back losses. I mean, obviously that being the home of um, John Jones, but I'm, you know, I know it's really, you know, harsh to say this, but I don't think, that um, we, we're going to be looking at home being victorious here. I think uh, yeah. Betchka Her is going to take this, man. You think so? Mm. Wow. You need to be in a, in a psychologically stable place in order to move forward. And I just can't see that. Just looking at her latest or looking at the last few fights, I just can't see where that has actually featured. You know, and to be fair, like I, I just want to be fair about the situation. It's mm. like she when she lost to Durandamy, she was facing a, a high-level striker as well. Yeah. You know, so I think, and you know, that was lengthy as well. So I think that was a big part of the problem. And she didn't, it wasn't like she looked really bad. You know, to be fair, for most of Holly's UFC fights, she, yeah. she hasn't looked like amazing, like, whoa, man. She's, you know, apart from when she beat um, Ronda Rousey yeah. the way that she did. Yeah. But other than that, it's it's been like, yeah, okay, we see the potential, but maybe this fight should be would be the one where she, you know, it's always been like that. And with the the randomy fight was similar anyway. 
and apart from uh, obviously she got caught with those, those late shots you know yeah late shot gate or whatever they want to call it <laughs> um, but I feel like in terms of striking which is where I feel this fight is going to be is going to be in the stand up I mm. think Holly's still got Betch's number on that and I think as long as she plays that Jackson you know in terms of she could probably win on points with this you might not get the KO yeah I don't know whether you know Betch has got quite a draw but the saying that Ronda knocked her out so but I just feel like she hasn't really got the movement that um, Holly's got and as long as Holly's smart you know she sticks to her game mm. she doesn't miss to take the situation <laughs> then she should be alright so I, I, I think I'll pick Holly on this one um, and go against you but I won't be mad if um, Betch wins if she does that dance that she does at the end I won't be mad at that. <laughs> <laughs> it took you a minute there. Moving on mm. <laughs> to uh, uh, who is it? Arlovski versus Mycin Marcin Tiberia or Bura. Tibura. Yeah, I do Polish. Polski. Polska. I remember his name. Um, mm. And uh, um, I can't remember what fight it was. But with this, you know, I feel like there's a similar situation like what you're talking about with with Holly in terms of. You know, Arlovski's been he's been taking some clumps the last couple fights. You know, yeah, and um, that's the thing I worry about in terms of whether he's still he's still got a chin anymore. Thing is, this though, he hasn't um, been facing uh, people of Marcin Tiberia uh, his caliber. Now, yeah. if you look at yeah. if you look at Marcin's record, I mean, fifteen and two, going up against Arlovski, who is twenty five. 14 and 0. Now, different caliber of fighter there. I have to say, I'm going Arlovsky all the way. Mm. I'm going by very, very early uh, KO or TKO in Seriously? the first round. Yeah. It's going to be a very quick and uh, intense fight. Um, they're fighting at heavyweight, right? Yeah. Mm. Right. Um, yeah, okay. I think I'll go with Tubora just to, you know what I mean, spice it <laughs> up a bit. <laughs> Just for the sake of, uh, you know, I, I do worry about Arlovsky's chin now. Uh, you know, what, what was his last fight? He just seemed so tentative, so like, you know, not. He just didn't seem like he wanted to go all the way in. Yeah. Uh, that, that worries me, man. Um, next one is um, Dong Young Kim. We ain't seen in a little while. Mm, stun gun. Versus um, Cody Covington. He's a scrappy young fella. Yeah. Um... With this one, I think I'm going to go for Cody because I, I feel like Kim's been out for a little while. Mm. And, um, you know what I mean? He might have a little bit of ring rust or cage rust. I think that's why they've given him Colby Covington. Again, so. Again, record is for DJs, yes. But Colby Covington, 11 and 1. Stun gun, 22 and 3. Mm. Now, I think they're basically saying, look, we know you've been out for a while. We'll ease you back into the division uh, and they're throwing Colby Covington to the, to the Lions. Yeah, but I feel like Cody's, a, from what I remember, he's a really good, um, he's a really good wrestler. And so he might give um, Kim some problems in that department, man. Yeah, yeah. But um, you have to keep remembering that stun gun, pretty vicious on his feet. I'll, I'll never forget. I think it was uh, the knockout of um, John Hathaway. Yeah. Always, always stick in my mind. That yeah. spinning elbow was yeah. a thing of beauty. And it's hard to say that because, you know, Hathaway, you know, being uh, 
been again, you know, London shoot. I've got some kind of like, you know, brotherhood there. Yeah. Oh, albeit that it was the East London branch, but you know, the way that I look at it is um, that was a vicious knockout, and it just goes to show that, you know, stun gun. You know, he's not to be trifled with, man. Yeah, actually, I'm looking at his takedowns defense, and he's got eight percent takedown defense, eighty percent, which is quite a bit. And uh, he is a little bit bigger than him as well. He's a little bit taller than Cody, but. Kobe, sorry. But I, I always wonder, you know, with the time taken off, does that, you know, I guess with some people it does matter and some people it doesn't. Well, when you've got the tools like a 76-inch reach against a 72-inch reach, mm. Kobe Covington 72-inch reach, right? Yeah. Uh, I've got a feeling that he's going to get lit up. He's not going to get the chance to even, you know, attempt any takedowns. That reach is pretty substantial. Look mm. at that, 76 inches. That's true. Yeah, and I do remember that knockout, man. I remember that, that um, Hathaway fight was it was legs and arms everywhere. Yeah, it was very yeah. Middly. And um, but yeah, okay. Well, I, I'll go with Kobe. I'll stick with Kobe. You know, I'll stick with what I said I was, I was gonna um, go with. So moving on from there, this one is gonna be a very interesting fight. I think this is what's setting off the main card, right? It's only yes, four right. fights on the main yeah. card. Yeah, yeah. But yes. loving this one, man. Tarek Safadine versus Rafael Dos Anjos. Mm. Um, oh, on here it's got Rafael weighing at 155, but I'm guessing he's at 170. I don't know why they got that there. Um, <laughs> yeah, but man, this is going to be a crazy fight. I, I feel personally, I feel like if we get Rafael, you know, Dos Anjos the way he's meant to be. Yeah, um, redemption he's got this, time. Yeah, he's got this all over because, mm. um, you know, it's not a secret that Tarek's mainly a striker. And, um, you know, he's still... Still trying to find his his way around, like keeping it stand up in it. Yeah, um, but he he's one hell of a striker as well. I do think that um, you know if he keeps it up, standing up, it, it, he probably could take it. But I, I think Rafael is going to be smart and um, get him to the ground and, and you know mess him up a bit. I do see him actually, you know, um, being victorious on the ground because if you if you look at the stats and how they're actually matching up um you're right um Safadine will try and light him up on the feet but you know you, you can't you know discount Rafael de Sanios he's a beast on the ground yeah absolutely beast yeah he's fallen in love with his striking of late um but he but, mixes it up well yeah that's the thing you know pretty similar to um Emro who's just speaking to man like they, they mix it up well when it comes to um, transitioning from stand-up to the ground. Yeah. And especially, I think, like, I feel like the, from striking to jiu-jitsu, mm. the wrestling is what gels it together. Like, you know, if you look at, say, like the Diaz brothers, the, the thing they struggle with the most is wrestling. When it comes to striking, they're cool. Maybe not kicking that much, but in terms of boxing and whatnot. Yeah. And then when they get to the ground, their jiu-jitsu is wicked. But in terms of them getting somebody to the ground, which is, you know, a stronger point in terms of wrestling... They, they don't really you know like Diaz could have had Connor in that second fight but he couldn't take it <laughs> against the cage and he couldn't take it down you know what <laughs> I mean that's because he, he doesn't they don't enter wrestling like that when they should be but um, yeah man this should be an interesting one definitely whether, yeah, you're, whether you're DVR in it whether you're uh, recording it via Apple TV I don't know what you lot use these days whether you need to get your beers ready Make sure you enjoy it. And speaking of beers, beer52.com. <laughs> <laughs> you like it, you like it, you like nice it. Nice little segue there, nice little segue. Yeah, thank you, man. 
I worked quite hard on that one. <laughs> As always, the WoeCast is sponsored by Beer52. Make sure you visit woetv.com and click on the banner on the top of the page or even the side of the page for your substantial discount of a wonderful box of craft beer. Join the Craft Beer Discovery Club via beer52.com but make sure you put in your promo code for WOTV which will enable you to get a £10 discount which is WOTV10 for those delicious delectable mm, mm, mm. brew buyer here you yeah, got some buyer <laughs> buyer 52 yeah, man. okay well that about wraps up this episode my Stiggy, as always, yes, man. it has been an incredible odyssey Likewise, over brother. the last how many minutes, minutes. Yeah, in the world of mixed martial arts. Minutes, I probably got a parking ticket out there. I didn't <laughs> count the minutes, bro. That's how much this matters to me, boy. Until, yes, ma'am. Until next time, make some trouble. Yeah.